Rocky and Sylvia Engel are with us. They're missionaries to Venezuela. They're in Caracas, and uh, they're here and have been with us for a few days, and um, we love them, and we uh, esteem their work. They have been working uh, in Venezuela for 28 years, 28 years. Uh, and if you pay attention to the news at all, you probably know uh, that Venezuela is a difficult place to be. Uh, and so um, God continues to give them direction and guidance, and we get to hear uh, Rocky uh, preach uh, this morning out of God's Word. So we, we treasure that. So with that, um, Rocky, thank you for being with us. Sylvia, thank you guys for taking the time. Um, it means a lot to us that you're actually here in the flesh. Um, we know you could probably be recovering and, and doing something else that's less taxing. So thank you for, for coming. Thank you very much, Pastor Ben. It is indeed a privilege to be here with you this morning. Thank you for having us. Thank you for inviting us. I am sensing that God might be calling Sylvia and me to Santa Rosa, California. I don't know. There's just something about this group that is very, very cool. <laughs> we appreciate your love and concern for us. Uh, let's see. I need somebody who's available and knows the workings of this church to do me a favor. Wendy took off. Who's available? Um, I, I don't want to call on Ben. I want somebody else, but I don't know who it would be. Christina, do you know, where, know your way around the church? A little bit? Okay, I need... I want you to do me the favor of being a, a blessing and extending a glass of cool water to me as a sign of your love for Jesus. So, very important this morning. <laughs> it, it, uh, boy, thanks. To, uh, these musicians are fabulous. That music is, was just wonderful. Wonderful. I was a little frustrated that I still have a little bit of a tickle in my throat and I couldn't sing with all the gusto I normally do, but... Uh, my heart was there. My heart was there, and I trust that will be your sense as well. Please turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. <clears throat> Obviously, I could share a lot about Venezuela, the good and the bad, and the ugly, but uh, my responsibility before you is to tell you what God has for you this morning. And why do I do that? Because what we need from you as missionaries with so many years, every time I hear that number, it seems like it gets bigger and I get older. I don't know. Um, but, but what we need from you, honestly, is that you be faithful to God. The money will, will come. The prayer will come. The support will come uh, in terms of emotional support. But what we need from you is to be faithful to God. So my challenge this morning is be faithful to God and put this passage uh, into practice in your life. So what I'd like to do is ask you all to stand, and we are going to read so only, if I break into Spanish, please forgive me, if um, we are only going to read two verses, verse 24 and verse 25. I am going to read it first, and you're going to listen, and then I'm going to ask you to read it with me, Okay. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see the day 
drawing near. Okay, are you ready? I'm going to give you permission this morning to loosen up. Okay, it's really okay. <laughs> I want you to read this with me with, with enthusiasm. Ready? One, two, three. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet each other, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's pray. Father, this is your word. We thank you for it. We thank you for the presence of the Spirit right here among us this morning, and we pray that that Spirit would have liberty to apply this passage to our life and extend it into the life of this church, that you might be glorified and that your kingdom might grow. Thank you for the privilege of participating in that process. Forgive, Lord, the sins of the one who speaks. There's plenty of them. And use me as your channel. Thank you for the fact that you use men to communicate your word. Lord, I invite you to use me according to your will, your desire for this congregation this morning. Thank you again for the privilege. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. a little scary, but we'll do it anyway. <laughs> I want to tell you a little bit about the context in Venezuela, because we, are, we just recently came off the field. We're in the U.S. for a short time. We're going back in a couple weeks. And we're in a very interesting situation, because the two churches with whom we, we, we work, um, I guess most closely, because we work with several churches, but there's a, two of them that we really focus on. One of them is a church that's 20 years old. And about two months ago, as we say there, the church was cordially invited to be a tree and leave. I mean, it was, it was not, it, it's not about rent going up. It's not, they, want, they want to use the facility, the facility we've been using as, as, a, as a church, as a warehouse. Uh, so they can receive things from Walmart and Costco and other places of interest from the U.S., and they can store it there, and they can sell it and uh, make a bunch of money. So they were kind of tired of having us there, and so they told us we needed to leave, which is a really exciting time, especially when you only have two or three months. I mean, you just put yourself in that position. You think, wow, how in the world? But it's a different world there, and it's their building. And we didn't want to fight, so we said, okay, we're getting out of here. Um, so we've been looking for a building and trying to see what God has for us and working out financing and all kinds of things. Um, it has really thrown the, that church into a bit of a tizzy. And they're very focused on where we can meet. We have a, a loan um, location for short term. And God's, God willing, this morning they're going to be collecting some commitments and hopefully beginning to move forward with a loan to be able to purchase this building yada yada the other church is uh, about an hour and a half outside of caracas it's a newer church plant about seven years uh, it's doing great it's a, it's in a poor area it's but somehow uh, not having as much i don't know finances and things that that kind of bury us sometimes 
allow people to focus more on the important things, and, and they really do at that church. It's amazing. The church is growing. Um, but they want the new location because they had outgrown the old one, which is always an exciting problem to have, but it's still kind of awkward. And so they had just recently moved into a new facility and, and uh, refurbished, and don't tell anybody, but they uh, moved into a bar. Okay, that's the reality of the situation. They called it a restaurant, but we know most of the activity there was, uh, you know, this kind of. <laughs> so anyway, they took that and, and kind of renovated it. Spent a lot of time and effort, and they pulled it off, and we went the first Sunday, and it was just fabulous, 120 seats. The first Sunday was full. The church is normally 70 or 80, and just immediately uh, that new facility filled up, and that's always exciting. But anyway... Between these two churches, we've noticed something very consistent, and that is that both of them are a, are a little distracted, okay? They're distracted because of all the things related to where they meet. That's okay. That's okay for a time. But what I would uh, like to propose this morning is that if we spend too much time on that, we might be overly distracted. So in this passage, I want to give you a little bit of a context. This is an author. Some say it's Paul. Some, some say it's somebody else. doesn't matter. God wrote it. All the scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for us. And so we know that this came from God. And uh, the author basically wants to, to keep this congregation on track. And, and he actually gives uh, three steps. He says, you know, don't, don't lose sight of, of um, who, you're folk, who you're seeking, who is God. Don't lose sight of the confession, what that means to, to know him. And then he says in 24, and let us consider something else, how we deal with one another. It is a passage of action. I love it. I, I tend to be a man of action. I like to bike. I like to be active. In fact, um, well, it, it's, it's just my character. Those of you that know me know that that's true. Um, so in this passage, in two short verses, we can find eight verbs. Now, some of you failed English. Lots of us failed English. But I had to go back and sit it because I had to learn Spanish. But, but uh, a verb does what? It shows action. Action. Sometimes it's a state of being, but normally verb is an action. So in this little short passage, we have eight things that we're supposed to pay attention to or do. Okay? Some of them are, this is what you should do, and others are, don't do this. Okay? But they're still very specific instructions as far as acti our activities. So that's a wonderful thing. <clears throat> I'm going to do something really scary. Okay? I hope I can get away with this. And if I can't, you won't ever invite me to preach, but that's okay. I'm going to ask you a question, and you're going to try to answer it. As you look at this passage, what do the conjugated verbs, in other words, the verbs that give us information about who's supposed to do what, what do the conjugated verbs have in common? What do the verbs in this passage have in common? Does anybody see it? Because if you're reading a passage of the scripture and something's kind of repeated, whether it be grammatical or specific, it, it's God saying, this is really important. I want you to get this. So right from the beginning, I'm going to ask you, does anybody see it? What's in common? Come on. Go ahead. Back in the back. They're present. Excellent. We're going in the right direction. Anybody else want to throw something out? Go ahead. 
Okay, okay, they are, they, they, yes, there's some that they're practicing, but the, the idea is to keep going. Any other ideas? Anything else you see? Oh, man, this is so scary. I love making people uncomfortable. <laughs> Nobody wants to take a shot at it. Come on. Every verb in this passage that is conjugated talks about you and me. Everyone is we. Everyone is us. Everyone is this group. And so when you look at the, we look at this passage, we immediately think, well, it's somebody else. No, it's, it's for you and it's for me. And that's a cool thing. In this group, if we want this church to grow, if we want this church to be healthy, every one of these things applies to us. So my summary statement after saying that, uh, there's one other thing I want to mention. You know, there's several passages of Scripture that said, do this one to another. There's 33 passages that talk about things we do one to another. We forgive one to another. We, uh, we uh, accept, we put up with uh, one another. In this little short passage, there's two of those. Two of those one another's, which is very important to the functioning of the body. Okay, so are you catching the drift? What's here? What I want to tell you is, it is not about the space. It is about first God, and then how we treat each other. It is not about the space. It, it is not about the color of the walls or the type of chairs. Uh, those things are important, and I'll say that several times. But if, but if that's what we're really focused on, we're distracted. We're distracted. It is about how we treat each other. And that's the same thing I'm trying to encourage the church to say. As, as our, our, our church goes to the point of signing a, a document and purchasing, but that's a big deal. It's a big deal. But if we forget about the people that are in the church while we're working on signing that document, we are not fulfilling the will of God. Because that's what this is. This is the will of God for a church. Okay, are you ready to jump into this with me? I'm going to give you three suggestions, three mandates that I see in this passage. And if you want to pull out your, your sheet and write them down, uh, that would be great. And if you don't want to, that's okay too, as long as you pay attention. That's the most important thing. There's three points I'm going to make. We need, number one, two, perceive people. Don't worry, I'll explain it. I'm just going to give you the outline, okay? We want to perceive people. Second of all, we want to participate in the progress. Participate in the program. We, keyword there, participate. And then finally, we want to persevere. We want to keep at it. We want to keep going forward. Okay? Are you ready? Are you ready to go, go at this with me? Here we go. In 24, he starts out, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. This is not just the mind. He says, let us consider, although it involves the mind. And it's not just action. It is both. I love the idea of this translation. It's fabulous. Let us consider how to. Do you realize that when you consider something, you're thinking about it? And then when you consider how to, you're thinking about action. So there's two steps here. There's, there's the mental, and then there's the physical. Now, before we identify what we're doing here, what this author is saying is, I want your whole body to participate in what I'm going to ask you to do. Mental part and your physical part. And then, it's interesting, in, in Spanish, this first phrase, 
the word is preocupa, preocupa, oh, wow, that's weird. Preocupa, <laughs> preocupémonos. Okay, it normally flows fairly well, but uh, you know, in the stress, whatever. Preocupémonos, which is we should be really worried about each other. I like that translation. What is worry? Worry is when you look at something and you think enough about it that you do something about it, theoretically. Sometimes we sit and we just think, 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 think. But if I'm worried about something, it's where I'll devote some energy and some effort. And the first word in Spanish is we should worry about each other. <clears throat> Let's talk about actually what it says now. We are considering how to stir up people. We are to stir up one another. That particular word, stir up, has a sense of provoke. It has a sense of, of you know, let's, let's move forward. It actually has a little bit of a sexual flavor and talks about how do we arouse. Now, taking all those ideas together, basically what he's saying is you want to have a goal in mind and you want to take some steps to get there. Okay? If it's stir up it's you obviously have some idea of where you want to go with the group if it's provoke it's the same sort of thing maybe a little bit negative and if it's sexual it's something you know depending on the context but it's always defined in your head when you start in that direction <clears throat> the interesting thing here is he defines the end of it he doesn't let us think about where where we're going with this he says no we're to stir up, to arouse, to stimulate people to love and good deeds. So all of a sudden, we have an end that helps, not hurts. We have a, a result that's holy and not a, a, a happenstance or helpless where it's, no, this is where we're going. This is where we're going, where we give, not get. And it's to love and good works. And the love is the agape in Greek. It's the giving love, the participating love. So you have the idea. You have the idea. Have you ever considered how difficult it is to stir up another human being in a positive direction? I repeat that. Have you, have you considered in your family, in your relationship with your wife, with your husband, with your friends, with your colleagues at work, what it takes to get somebody that's doing something bad or maybe inappropriate to move in a direction with the goal of doing something good. Has anybody thought about that? It's not that easy. <laughs> it's not that easy. You know, you're, uh, you got a, one of your children is starting to hang out with a crowd and you're thinking, okay, this crowd maybe isn't the best thing for, for my, my son or my daughter. And you're thinking, how do I stir them up in the right direction? It's tough. And the first thing you think is, I have pray like crazy. But it also involves, according to this passage, thinking and doing something in that direction. Anyone want to throw something out? How do you provoke someone to go in the right direction? How? Because that's what it says. It says, let us consider how to... So that's what we're doing. We're obeying 100% this passage. And now I'm asking you to throw something out that might move us along in this direction. How do we do it? It's like 
the greatest question you can imagine. Any ideas? Ben, do they do this to you too? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay, speak. Okay, in an appropriate way, you, you, you try to communicate to them what's going on here and what could happen. Excellent, excellent. How else? Be an example. Wow, that's scary. That is really scary, but that, <laughs> that's key. That's key. If, if we're asking someone else to go in the right direction, we had better be going in that direction ourselves. Otherwise, just, other, otherwise we're just hypocrites. We're just hypocrites. And, the, and, and we don't want to promote any of that kind of stuff. How else? <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for honest people in this church. <laughs> And someone who's probably spent a lot of time in Latin America, because that's the only way you provoke people to move in Latin America. <laughs> oh, I love it. I, love it. Um, I was thinking about somebody new that comes into this church. Somebody that... No, I won't do it. I was going to ask if there's anybody here that's here for the first time. But you know what? I'm here for the first time. I've been with a few of you before, but this is the first time I've ever been in this building with this group of people. And consequently, consequently it'll probably be the last, because next time I'm here, it'll be a different group of people. But that's what happens. Uh, we kind of rotate. But someone walks through that door, they have never been in this church before. You realize what a Herculean commitment it is for them to arrive here if they've never been in this church before. And you see that person, and you think, hmm. What can I do? What can I do? Because ideally, you take that person who's maybe got some issues. Guess what? We've all got issues. <laughs> a real life person coming through there, and you, and you want to encourage them to stimulate them. What do you do? I think it's very. There's some simple things I'll throw out for that person, but in all contexts, first you greet them. First you greet them. Is what a huge thing that is. Often we hear stories of people that come into new church, new people that come into churches, and they say the church just seems so cold. You know, there was like one or two people that said hi, but but I thought the church was supposed to be a, a body. What, where's the body? And, and and the first thing you do is greet them, greet them. That's huge in in, in uh, applying this passage. And the next thing is you ask them a couple questions, dumb questions, but they're so hard to ask. Cause so 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 where are you from? Or or where do you go to school? Or or, you know, where'd you get that pretty shirt? Or yeah, anything, just to get, provoke a conversation. Because that's a human being. And we're, we're trying to stimulate human beings. So you need to build a bit of a bridge. And the last thing, not the last thing, excuse me. The next thing is listen. Listen. If every time somebody new came into this group, and this passage isn't only about them, it's about everyone. But, but let's just say the reasonably new people, people are struggling. If, if they can continually received greetings, questions, and someone to listen to them, wow, that would be huge. That would be huge. How complicated is that, really? How complicated is it to just extend your hand and say, hey, I'm, I'm Rocky. Welcome. And, and, and you never know what's going to happen. You never know what's going to happen. That's why it's a little scary. That's why we tend to go to our groups that we're comfortable with. But really, the idea of this passage is to pay attention to those people in just the same way. And I have a 
a, a, a growing sense that our churches are, are so scared of the outside that when the outside comes in, we, we almost like, oh no, what do we do with these people? The idea is we love them and we stimulate them to love and good deeds. And then the last thing I think it's really important is you, you give them an example to follow. Somebody said that, super important. Uh, illustration, uh, we do a hospital visitation ministry every couple weeks. We take a bunch of food to a hospital and we just wander around in the rooms and we pray with people and we encourage people. And we, I mean, it's really cool, but it's really scary. It's really scary. It's amazing we can still do that. I mean, at some point they're going to say, you can't do this anymore, like they've done here. But, but we get to still do that. And uh, what I try to do is I try to invite people because it's really cool ministry, it's really healthy ministry, it's obeying Jesus, but it's really scary. And so I invite people and I try to encourage them to love and good deeds, right? But most of them don't ever show up. They don't show up. And so I start saying, will you go with me? Will you go with me? I want to be your example. Let's go. You don't have to do anything. You just follow me around. Um, I was working with a, with a youth named Manuel, a great kid, and, uh, and I, I invited him several times. never wanted to go. So finally I said, I'll pick you up. I'll meet you, and we'll go. We'll walk there together, and you'll just walk hand in hand with me, and you'll visit these people and love them and just be the hands and feet of Jesus. What's wrong with that? And he said, okay. And by, by the first half hour, hour, he said, this is awesome. This is awesome. We are actually doing what Jesus told us to do with these people. Sure, it's scary. And there's sickness. And there's some things that you, you're like, oh, man, I can't go to that bed with that person. I just can't. I can't, can't deal with it. But you're still obeying. Awesome, awesome stuff. And uh, so Manuel is just super enthusiastic about that. And he encourages me as well. So, Okay, so first thing we want to do is we want to perceive people by perceive what i was trying to accomplish was not just look at people but perceive where are they at find that out and provoke them in the right direction second thing we're going to do is we're going to participate in the progress we're going to participate in the program it says not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some this passage has been used for a long time to beat people over the head and say you got to go to church I don't think that's the idea. It's saying, this is not rocket science. If you're going to provoke people in the right direction, you need to be there. You need to be there in this church. God has a mission for you here, but you need to be here. You can't do it, you know, oh, well, I'm with you in, in spirit. I'll be praying for you guys, or, oh, you know, I'm interested. One of the things Venezuelans do that just drives me crazy, almost all Latins do this, as I have come to understand, they go mentally. They go mentally. They, they participate mentally, but they don't show up physically. And in their head, because they're participating mentally, they're there. They're there. Uh, <laughs> We've been at the church, one of the churches, for, for about two years. And uh, we always, you know, we're kind of like you. That's the truth. When we go to church, you know, we find our spot. It's like where the air conditioning is just perfect and the light's just perfect. You're not too close to the front because you don't want to, you know, be too intimidated and, you know, <laughs> kind of kind of where you guys are at, Joe, to tell you the truth. But anyway, you know, the middle of the church, not too far on one side, not too far on the other side. Sylvia has the you know, thing about the air conditioner. So we sit in the same place pretty much all the time. It's okay. It's okay. Joe, do you always sit there? Okay, good, good. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> um... <laughs> 
<laughs> so we sit there, and we'd been there this whole time, and we'd never seen anybody in the front row. And all of a sudden, this older couple shows up. And they were there like four or five Sundays. And I thought, I thought well, I gotta, you know, I got to see some of these couple. It takes me a little while sometimes, too. They're older, and they're Venezuelan, and they're kind of aristocratic and a little scary. And so anyway, finally one day I went up, and I said, hey, my name's Rocky. His name was Edgar. Edgar's a nice guy. He's probably 80, 85. And I said, how'd you find us? That's my stupid question. <laughs> if, I, if I know, which is scary, because if the person's been there about, like, you know, three months, how'd you find it? Well, it was a long time. In this context, he started telling me about when the church first started. 20 years ago. Well, you know, the church was just getting going, and, and so we started attending, and we got to know the pastor, and, and I thought, Dude, you, I've never seen you here before, <laughs> before this period. And, and in his mind, as I talked with him, it was obvious to him that he had, he had mentally been there the whole time. This was a continuum he was telling me about. You know, he, he kind of started with the church. He'd always been with the church. And so now he's actually there physically. But in his mind, he was always there, even though he was never there. And they do this all the time. Oh, yeah, my church. I just love my church. It just does this and that and that. And you ask, well, what was the last time you were there? About four months ago. Hard to build a church with that kind of stuff. Um, <clears throat> that could never happen here, could it? <laughs> I, I'm talking about a, a, a hypothetical situation that would never exist here. But just in case, I'm warning you, sometimes it, it does. <laughs> and uh, going back to the passage, you have to be here. You have to be here. It's, it's huge. It, it, we think, what will I get when I go to church? This is what I hear. Well, you know, I stopped going because, you know, I've heard the same sermons over and over and over. I've been in this church long enough, so it, I kind of know what's coming. And, and it's just, it's, there's nothing new for me. So I, I just go, you know, once every couple months. I understand that. Most of you aren't in that group. But, but uh, the reality is the question we should be asking according to this passage of Scripture is, what can I give? What can I give? This passage motivates us to be aware of people, participate in this program to the point that we are involved with the other people in this group. Okay? Not a small group, the whole group. Trying to get to know people, provoke them in that general direction. We used to tell our kids over and over and over. You know, just so you know, Jack... Every parent does this, okay? I did this. They have certain slogans. They go over and over and over, and they tell you like they have never told you before. But, but it's this passion. The thing I told my kids was never underestimate the power of your presence. Have you heard that one? Have, have, have any of the youth heard that one? You don't say that anymore, huh? Well, guess what? It's true. Never underestimate the power of your presence. Maybe you're not feeling that great. Maybe you don't have something specific you're supposed to be doing at church, but your presence says a lot. It says a lot to leadership. It says a lot to who is watching you. And if you start to interact with other people and you start provoking people, then even more, you need to give them a good example of what it means to be here and to participate. 
Um, there's going to be a church meeting after, after this. You probably figured that out, right? You know that. Um, <laughs> some of you are thinking, ah, what am I going to get from that? I want to say it doesn't matter what you're going to get from that. What matters is, <laughs> do you realize that your presence at that meeting is super important? And it's super encouraging. And it will provoke others to love and good deeds because you're here. So anyway, I would just encourage that. It's just a little stuff. Just, just uh, saying, hey, I, I care about this enough to be here. Third thing, we need to persevere. We need to persevere. And uh, honestly, in my opinion, this is the hardest part. There's something about in the early days of meeting Christ and growing as a Christian, uh, kind of getting a vision for what God could do with your life, and you just can't, at least in my mind, in my experience, can't get enough of it. I want to just minister to people. But over the years, you know, you don't see the same response. You don't have the same enthusiasm. And it just gets harder and harder. Um, I work with two pastors. One is Pastor A, Pastor A, and the other Pastor B. Pastor A has been at the church where we're at for the whole 20 years. And he is an incredible preacher. He is an incredibly godly man. But he is 65 years old. I don't know if it's mental. I don't know if it's fatigue. I don't know what it is. But his, his, his passion for ministry is subsiding noticeably. And it's so sad. Guess what? That's the reality of life. Pastor B is a guy that's just entering in ministry. He doesn't have all the education. He doesn't have all the credentials. But he's in there, you know, let's get together and pray. Let's, let's get together and, and, and go, go help these uh, homeless folks out in the, in the city plaza there or something. And, and he's just throwing things out and preaching with his heart and sometimes saying really stupid things. But it doesn't matter. He's out there giving it all he's got. And his church, by the way, this church is in, in standby. This church is noticeably stagnant. This church is growing like a weed. It's not about the credentials. <laughs> it's the reality of, of sticking with it. I mean, obviously this guy hasn't had as much time to stick with it, but if you start losing it... Um, I don't know how many of you have participated in a race. When's the hardest part of a race? When? The end. The end. Exactly right, because that's when we're tired. That's when we think, oh, man... I don't know if I'm going to make it or not. I don't know if it really matters. And we all run into that. This is a race. It's a marathon, though. It's not 100 meters, not 100 yards. And that's why he says, um, <clears throat> but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. All the more as you see the day drawing near. Sometimes I ask myself, does it matter what we do? Really? I mean, we give the gospel, we provide food, we do all kinds of really cool things, we help the handicapped. But sometimes yeah, you just think, oh, yeah, I'm just, I'm tired. I'm tired. Does this really matter? And it does. Because one day, I'm going to stand before Jesus Christ face to face. And he's going to ask, I don't think it's going to be the long video, but he'll be asking me for some kind of accounting for what I've done with this simple, fast, 
evolving, developing, and, and terminating life that he gave me in his name. And it, at that point, will all be worth it. Guess what? I know it's scary to sit next to somebody you've never sat next to before or sit in a different section or reach out in a way you've never reached out before. But it matters. It matters to them and it matters to God. And he says, one day, not so far away, you'll be in the presence of Jesus. And there will be a meeting. Nobody else will be there, just you and him. And it will matter. It will matter. And you'll look around, maybe there'll be some other people that you brought along with you. It'll matter. It'll matter a whole lot. It's just interesting how life, no matter what it is, the longer you do it, the harder it gets, and you think it's going to get easier, and it just gets harder. Uh, and, and wow, so many illustrations. I, I think about kids. I think about kids and how you, you start with your family, and it's just cool, and they're young, and there's so many fun things, and then as you go farther and farther along, wow, you love them, and you have a great relationship with them, and in best of scenarios, I love Michaela and Matthew, our two kids, and their, their spouses, and our grandkids, and all this, but sometimes those same people can drive a dagger into you, a dagger that really hurts, and you think, wow, how did I get to this point with this kid, and you wonder, with the ministry, being involved, applying this in our lives, there are times when it won't work out perfectly. But in the end, it will be worth it. Jump with me ahead just a little bit. I, you know, I was reading this passage again, and all of a sudden it just struck me how often this issue comes up. Go, jump ahead to 1037. End with this. He, he quotes Habakkuk, which in Spanish is Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Habakkuk is, is, is related to a cook, a cook, a cuckoo. You know, somebody's got a, something wrong with them mentally that, that they, they, they're missing some, some screws or something. And, and here it is. He says, for a little while, the coming one, yet a little while, and the coming one, Jesus, will come and will not delay. You think you got lots of time, but you don't know. And here's the reality of it. You start with 20 or 30, you think you got so much time, and all of a sudden you get to 55 or 60, and you're like, what happened? Some of you are going, mm-hmm, and others are going, don't have a clue, but you'll figure it out later, I'll promise you that. 38, he says, but my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. This is just a few verses after this this uh, stimulus to perceive people and participate in the program and to persevere. There it is, right there. It it's, it's, should be our basic motivation that I want to please Jesus in such a way that when I have that meeting, it's going to go well. It's going to go well. And I encourage you as a church to have a goal, especially as you make these changes to allow more ministry sense and more outreach sense. Hit the tape running. Here's the thing. You never know when that tape is going to arrive. So the only way you can hit the tape running is, you understand what I mean by hit the tape running? At the end of a marathon, at the end of a race, there's a tape. And the guy that comes in first, he breaks that tape. And the others cross that same thing. Hit the tape running means you are pushing until the end. The only way you can guarantee that you'll hit the tape running is to be running today. You ever thought about that? Yesterday doesn't count. 
If you fall and you don't cross, that, even though yesterday you're running great, the future you can't control. But if we want to hit the tape running, if we want to encourage people in the right direction and stimulate them to love and good, good deeds, we have to do it now. Let's pray. Father, your word just has so much good stuff for us. You have a mission for us. Every single time we're in this group, every single time we're with believers, with unbelievers, help us to just embrace this passage and realize that it will matter. In Jesus' name, amen.